it looks like we might be one step closer to a sort of IUD for men. In a clinical trial, a medical device company based in Virginia became the first to implant a long-lasting contraceptive gel into four men. It was implanted during a 10-minute office procedure and is supposed to block the flow of sperm. If proven safe and effective, it could become the first non-hormonal reversible contraceptive for men on the market. This is Pulse Check. I'm Alistair Andalstein. My colleague David Lim reports that there's a shortage of tracheostomy tubes that hospitals use to help children breathe after surgery. It's a sign that the COVID-triggered supply chain issues in the medical space are not yet behind us. And it raises the stakes as the FDA continues to push Congress to give it more authority to force medical device companies to be more transparent about shortages. Montana voters narrowly rejected an anti-abortion constitutional amendment, giving abortion rights supporters six out of six victories on state ballot measures this year. The proposal would have punished doctors with prison sentences if they did not provide medical care to infants delivered after an unsuccessful abortion. Abortion providers in the state said it would not have impacted them, had it passed, because they don't perform the procedure after the point of fetal viability. But the red state's rejection of the referendum matters as a signal to lawmakers that voters oppose additional restrictions on abortion access. And while there are a lot of specifics we don't yet know about control of the new Congress, one thing we're looking toward is how the makeup and leadership on Capitol Hill next year will affect health policy. Ben Leonard had a recent interview with Senator Bill Cassidy, who is a contender to chair the Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions Committee if Republicans eke out control of the Senate. So tell me what you learned from him, especially about what his priorities would be if he takes control of that committee. Yeah, so I think, you know, definitely a lot depends on what happens and how it shakes out, and particularly what Rand Paul ends up doing. It may shape if Cassidy ends up being the chair or not. That's a good point. Why is Rand Paul part of this discussion? So he's also on the help committee and has been pretty outspoken. Um, you know, he's also a doctor along with um, Dr. Cassidy. So Senator Richard Burr is retiring um, after this term. And there's kind of a we don't know who is going to be the the next Republican leader because of that. So um, Cassidy and Rand Paul seem to be the front runners. In my conversation with Cassidy, we talked more about some of the sort of bipartisan stuff that may happen um, in terms of telehealth. He's hopeful that something will get done on extending Medicare telehealth rules post public health emergency longer. One pretty bipartisan issue there. Another thing that has been a priority for him has been cybersecurity. He has a bill on getting HHS and CISA to collaborate more to bolster healthcare hybrid cybersecurity, which has been a big issue. But I think, you know, other than those sort of things, I think oversight's definitely going to be a focus for Republicans in Congress, regardless of who's chairing the committee here, particularly the Biden administration and its response to the pandemic, COVID origins also, that will definitely be a focus. Yeah, let's let's take a couple of these things one at a time. So on cybersecurity, why is this a pressing issue that Congress is looking at? And is there are there disagreements on what to do about it? Healthcare has gotten a lot more digital. There are a lot more touch points for hackers to access, you know, with electronic medical records, more connected devices, even the medical devices are often connected to the internet now. So that leaves a lot of things in healthcare a lot more vulnerable than it previously was. And we've seen data breaches surge about three times in three years. Last year alone, it was about 50 million people that had their sensitive health data breached. So it's becoming a much bigger issue in healthcare, and it's probably only going to keep heading in that direction. So 
Right now, it's not totally clear what Congress is going to do on it. Senator Mark Warner put out a report last week saying that Congress should consider setting some sort of minimum standards for cybersecurity on healthcare organizations. There's been discussions about more funding, more resources to help some under-resourced healthcare organizations be better prepared. And there's also been calls for more senior leadership from HHS, you know, sort of one voice from HHS on cybersecurity because there are so many different offices that deal with it right now. So those are some of the proposals that are being discussed right now. And on telehealth, we talked about this before. Are there, again, partisan disagreements or do you think this is something that lawmakers could sort of rally around even with a narrowly divided government, which it looks like that's what we're going to have no matter what? Yeah, so this is one of the more more bipartisan issues we have in Congress right now. Um, Republicans might be a little bit more fired up about it, I would say, but Democrats are still very strongly supportive of telehealth as well. So I think that, you know, it seems right now that there's going to be a push to ease telehealth rules during the lame duck session and possibly push for making these rules permanent post midterms and, you know, in the new Congress. So the one of the biggest clashes we can anticipate on the horizon is the end of the public health emergency for COVID and all of the policy that comes with that. What do you anticipate some of the fights on Capitol Hill will be on that front? Yeah, so the Biden administration is, is expected to extend the public health emergency pretty soon. Um, as soon as this this week sometime, they're supposed to give 60 days. They've pledged to give 60 days notice, and it's expected that they will again. And that's going to set up probably, a, you know, another battle over this. Uh, Republicans have been critical of the administration for continuing the public health emergency, um, particularly after Biden himself said that the pandemic is essentially over. So I'd anticipate a lot of criticism from Republicans over that and pushing the administration to wind down this emergency, which is no small task. There are a lot of things tied up with it, telehealth, a lot of other spending and data collecting authorities. So it's a pretty, pretty big move and a lot of moving parts to ultimately end the emergency. And not just disagreements on when to end it, but but how to end it as well, I imagine, and what policies to keep and what to end and get rid of. Yeah, definitely. Um, we may see some differences in terms of telehealth on Republicans may want to make it permanent a little bit sooner than Democrats may. But that's that's all to be played out and can depend on pay force. Well, we will stay on top of this. Thanks so much for joining us, Ben. Thanks so much for having me. After Democrats emerged stronger than expected from the midterm election, some FDA policies that were left off the September user fee reauthorization are now likely to be included in an end-of-the-year government funding bill. Lauren Gardner is here to take the Pulse Check 60-second challenge on what we should know about the deal. Start the timer. The leaders of the House and Senate health committees have promised to return to the negotiating table after the midterm elections to revisit something they weren't able to get done beforehand, which was make some policy changes at the FDA as part of a broader must-pass bill that reauthorized the agency's ability to collect user fees to do key functions of its job. Now that we know most of the results. Still a lot of question marks, but enough to know that not a ton has materially changed. According to several healthcare industry lobbyists that my colleague David and I spoke to, that seems to bode well for chances of actually getting something done by the end of the year. 
A couple of things that could be included in this package are changes to the FDA's accelerated approval process for quickly approving drugs and an effort to overhaul the regulation of certain diagnostic tests. And that's our show. Our music is by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Annie Reese is our producer. Our healthcare team editors are Eli Reyes, Dan Goldberg, Barbara Van Tyne, Beth Belton, and Sean Zeller. Jenny Ament is the executive producer of audio at Politico. I'm Alice Miranda Olstein. Subscribe and follow Pulse Check for a new episode every day. And subscribe to our newsletters where you can read this reporting. Pulse, Future Pulse, and Prescription Pulse. Thanks for listening.